welcome back to another episode of Bayou Chronicles. We're your host. I'm Crystal. And I'm Bethany. And first off, we would like to wish everyone a happy Halloween. Happy spooky day. Um, we hope you, um, if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, which would be Sunday, um, I don't know if they're what are they officially doing trick-or-treating is it like gonna be on monday i okay so i've heard it to like weekend i don't know i've heard two different things a lot of people are doing stuff the 29th saturday yeah saturday and then people are doing stuff on actual halloween but i don't know like when you know how they do like a designated time for trick-or-treating we didn't do that when we were kids did they I just remember it being like a random Wednesday and we would be out there trick-or-treating. Yeah, I feel like no matter which day of the week it was, it was always like Halloween, you know? Yeah. And it was normally like 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. or something like that, you know? I don't know. Well, whatever day that you go and do Halloween, um, I hope you have fun and I hope you enjoy it. I know um, we always eat too much candy. I always joke that like from Halloween – to easter all you do is eat candy oh and just food like in food general. and candy yeah yes. food and candy it's all you eat for like six yes. months almost food and candy um i love it um i hope it gets you out of like if you happen to be one of the people who has seasonal depression i hope eating all the candy gets you out of it um i feel like i have opposite seasonal depression like i get seasonal depression when it becomes summer but in the summer i say that every year <laughs> I, I hate, hate the summer i hate, I hate the summer i get so bull. um I but know. um i hope that halloween officially being here gives you something to look forward to it means we get all of fall and christmas and, and cooler New Year's. weather yes snow maybe i don't know maybe i don't know anyway Um, I hope you have a great weekend and be safe. Um, But today, Bethany is going to give us the long-awaited part two of Lester (laughs) Wilson, which if you haven't listened to the first part, I would probably recommend, not probably, I would definitely recommend stopping, going back, listening to the other one. Um, I think you have to go back like two months maybe um, to find it. Yeah, I think we did it in August. Yeah. I think for sure. And then when you find it, um, go listen and then come back. So go do that. Okay, now that you're back from listening to Lester Wilson part one, um, now we're going to do part two and I'm going to head it over. Head it? Jesus. (laughs) Hand it over to Bethany Um, for part two. I'm surprised I didn't get a giggity out of that when I said it. I'm trying to be a sophisticated older adult, you know? Oh, okay. So you basically (laughs) leave me for two weeks and you try to become sophisticated. I see how it is. I see how it is. I've already said giggity too much this week. So I met my quota. That was a giggity moment. Uh, Yeah, I had to do this. I had to finish it because my grandparents were super cute. And they take like once a month trips to costco i've told crystal this my grandparents freaking love costco so costco if you're listening to this sponsor my grandparents um and on their last trip they listened to the first part of lester wilson and they were like well when's the next part it's today okay all right it's today papa and Gigi. okay it's it's here for them 
Oh, by the way, this is this is a total side note and a total thing, and I could probably just text you this. But if Gigi finds the pillowcases to the quilt that she gave me, I would love it. I know she said she was couldn't find them, and then she said y'all were doing the garage sale. Yeah, I'll have to ask her. She Maybe might she find finds it. Okay, because yeah, like we it would, it would just be perfect <clears throat> on my little bed. Yeah, that's literally what I spent most of my day because they found out like I was helping mom with the yard sale, and they're like, oh, "You got to come over to the house into the <laughs> shed in the garage. We have stuff." And I was like, "Okay." So I was literally helping them go through stuff, and I was so dirty because one of their sheds is just like you know, like a barn shed. Yeah, and it doesn't really have a floor; so it's all dirt. So I was just gross but well, yeah if you see anything else that i might like send me a picture i will because that quilt is so cute i know i love it anyway but go ahead basically if you're one of those rebels that didn't go to listen to part one and you're like no i just want to hear the good part of part two <laughs> um i thought part one was good it left on a yeah. cliffhanger yeah but you know there's those people they're like mm, no i want to get to just the in parts i want to know what happened basically we left off with lester wilson being murdered i basically gave the wilson family's backstory how they came to crestview what lester did in crestview and for okaloosa county i just hit my uh laptop sorry um and then obviously the murder and then we we talked about a few things at the end um but that's basically what we talked about in part one to summarize it up a little bit um and how nothing happened for over a decade that happened in 1940 um and like i said in part one i mentioned it very briefly at the very end law enforcement didn't even arrive on scene at the wilson's home until like hours after like one which is crazy to me. i know right right considering that he used to be a police chief and like, like a family you know? is dead like a, yeah a fam, like somebody family. a man is yeah. dead and you're yeah. not gonna show up for an hour or three there, hours or there was a uh, one witness which was their neighbor and i'll talk about it more at the end she said that the sheriff which at the time was um Steele, his last name was Steele. He did not actually show up on scene until like five hours later, like around midnight, and he was shot at like seven. That's just straight up disrespectful. It's just a little odd to me. Like some like um, detectives, you know, like low men on the totem pole showed up like an hour later. I still think an hour is ridiculous, Um, but I don't know. It kind of just puts into perspective, but little suspicious it's a little weird but it's crestview in the 1940s and like i said in part one if you listen to it it was literally deemed the most lawless town in florida so yolo but we're going to fast forward a little bit lester wilson's murder went cold for years like i said over a decade it was actually close to two decades it was just shy it was 18 years to be it exact until it was solved and sorry if i just ruined that for you guys and you were like you didn't know if it was going to be solved or not but i feel like we wouldn't be here talking about it if i wasn't going to give you an ending but <laughs> i mean we've done a couple of like yeah. unsolved, but this one feels like you kind of have to have an ending too yeah and it was like a two-parter like i didn't want to just like end it on you guys but ray the baby of the family ray that we're going to talk about a lot this 
episode, Lester's son, he was the final and last child of six. Bama and Lester had six children, and he was the baby. And he was all I grown up. I forgot that that was her name. Yeah, Bama. Bama so and cute. Lester. Yep, and we're going to talk about Woodrow some more, the oldest. This perfection of names. I yep. love them. And remember, the sister above Ray was Velma. Oh God, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love just these all names. these good like early nineteen hundred yes, names. I yeah. love them. Um. So remember, he was just twelve years old, and his father was murdered just a few feet away from him in his childhood home. We all remember that. He had served time in the military. Um, he was in the army, I believe. Um, he served in the Korean War. Um, so Ray left home. He left. He had tried to stay around Crestview, like, in his teenage years. I'm so sorry if you... Normally, there's nobody on our road, because we live out in the middle of nowhere. But because I'm recording, there's been, like, three cars go by. It's um, okay. There's, like, I've had, like, a diesel truck go by on my road. Yeah, your house always motorcycle. has... Yeah. And I'm like, are y'all kidding me? Yeah, my mom actually mentioned, she was like, I was getting caught up on y'all's episodes, and I swear, anytime that Crystal records by her house, there's, like, everybody in town going down her street. Yes, there is. (laughs) They wait. They know. They Oh, Crystal's recording. And that's why I'm like, okay, well, maybe I should do it at nighttime, because then it'll be quiet. No. That's what I'm thinking just now, and now three cars just went by, so whatever. Yeah, and I was like, I don't even know how to soundproof this room, room any more than it already is in order to like not hear anything i know yeah i know that's crazy i'm gonna have to like move my recording into like a tiny corner of a closet or something and just soundproof a closet i have seen podcasters do that and it's the smallest workspace i've ever seen in my life but that's got to be the most soundproof thing you've ever seen (laughs) i know i should probably figure out if i can do that maybe i can do it in like the laundry room or something Mm -hmm. i don't know i'll figure it out so ray left he graduated um from crestview he left he joined the military he did his time in the army he served in the korean war he did all that he finished out his enlistment um and then he briefly after he got out of the military moved to port saint joe i don't know if i've ever told that place to crystal but if you go never heard of it you know panama city beach Yes. Okay. If you keep driving straight through Panama City Beach, you will eventually make it to Port St. Joe. Um, it's probably like three hours from here, from Crestview. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's just a, another little small beach town. Um, he moved there briefly, and that is where he met his, there's car number four. I love it. Anyways, that is where... It makes you feel better. I'm not hearing a single one of them. Oh, thank God. I'm like, that is so loud. I guess it's just because I'm here. I mean, I I don't know if you can hear mine. I just always assume you can, but I don't hear yours. Sometimes. I haven't tonight, surprisingly. So, you're doing something right? I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, I'm I have my my finger on the mute button and like I'm you know doing some skills here with it. So oh, you're good. You're good. You're genius. Anyways, so he moved to Port St. Joe after he got the military. He met his wife Virginia, another I think is a cutesy name. Um, and then a little bit after that, he was just kind of deciding I want to move back home. There's some things that I I've that have just been pulling at my heart and I need to do. And he talked it over with his wife, Virginia, and they decided to pack up and move to his hometown 
of Crestview, Florida. So I'm sure that was a shock for Virginia being a Port St. Joe girl. Um, I'm so sorry if anybody listens to this that's from Port St. Joe, but there's a running joke that it's nothing but a bunch of rich peppy preppy beach people that live there. Um, I've literally it, never heard of it, so they can't be that rich and preppy. And it's just and like great, this, right? It's just like this little beach town, and it's a lot of vac- like people go to vacation there, kind of. Yeah, like people go to vacation for spring break to Panama City. People that you know want to go to their second summer home go to Port St. Joe. Basically. I don't like beaches, so maybe that's why I've never I don't heard either. Of this. And I'm from Florida. I'm all beached out. Like I could never go to the beach again in my life, and I'd be okay. And I oh yeah, probably like blasphemy. Okay, I, I, c- I could not go. I need to be very specific when I say this. I could not go to the Gulf of Mexico ever again. Yeah. And be okay. Yeah. yeah. Like the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. You know, like maybe like up north. Yeah. I get um, it. You don't want to yeah. see Florida, man. I understand. Yeah. Like I'm just tired of Florida yeah. and Alabama and like, ugh. Oh, yeah. Preach, sister. But here we are. So. Yeah. Anyways, I'm just saying it's probably weird for Virginia because she's used to that, you know, like quaint little uppity beach town and then here Hoity she is toity. yeah here she is having to move to crestview florida the number one lawless town in florida so like virginia that's girl. like my favorite thing <laughs> i'm so sorry these speakeasies to, and all yeah, this kind of stuff is my favorite back in the back playing crabs you know i'm so sorry virginia but you know what she but, was roughing it yeah she was roughing it but she made it work um she was a nice lady um but in the army, Ray was actually an MP, which is just military police. So basically, he was a police officer in the military. He could go out and do that in civilian life. And um, his overall goal is that he wanted to, he'd already got that training in the military to be a police officer. He was like, okay, I'm going to pack up. I'm going to take my wife back to Crestview. I'll get some kind of business, and I want to work my way up to maybe eventually running for sheriff. And that was his, like, goal. And he could hopefully one day finally solve his father's murder that was still unsolved that had happened back in 1940. That is like a movie. Right? I mentioned like that a several TV times. show. Yeah, I mentioned it several times in my notes. And I'm like, I know this is real because, like, it's literally my hometown. And, like, I know a lot of these people that we're going to talk about. And some of their descendants still live here today. But, like, you, you know, that aren't from Crestview listening to this story, it 100% sounds like a Lifetime movie, you know? But the year was now 1952, and when they moved to Crestview a few years later, um, Ray began his own dry cleaning business in Crestview. Nowadays, dry cleaners aren't really... I don't know. I feel like people don't really go to dry cleaners anymore. I mean, they're still a thing. I wish I, the dry cleaner came to me because, like, I have right? multiple things that need to be dry cleaned. And I don't, I don't mind. It. Yeah, I don't mind yeah. paying for it. Yeah. I just don't want to take it. I agree. Or, like, this is going to sound very, like, old lady of me, but I have a lot of, like, 
holiday themed sweaters. Oh yeah. That I necessarily don't want to put in my washing machine and dryer and mess them up. I would love to take those to a dry cleaners, but then I'm like, oh, I have to actually go and yeah. talk to people. And then you got to pick it up. <laughs> yeah. And that's just so much work. We're so, so spoiled. Now, right, first world problems. Nowadays, it's not really a thing, but in the early 50s, like 1952, oh yeah, like everybody wore suits and all the ladies wore nice dresses and you didn't wash those dresses or suits. You took them to the dry cleaners it was so, also much nicer fabric back yes. then they were like natural fabrics yeah. so you had to treat oh, them yeah. really nice it wasn't polyester oh, yeah. plastic that you're literally putting in your body unless you like well a lot of people back then were still kind of hand washing but nobody really wanted to do that when you could just drop it off at the dry cleaners yeah. you know i mean i wouldn't want to i know so if you needed something cleaned in the Crespi area, literally everybody took it to Ray's dry cleaners. So he was making really good money as someone that had just moved there and started a business for himself. So kudos to Ray. And in 1955, so three years later, Ray would actually sell the business so he could finally reach his goal of running for Sharon. So his goal during those three years was to make enough money for him to sell the business, get a good chunk, because he knew while he was running for sheriff, he wouldn't have income coming in. He he needed to provide for his wife, Virginia. And at the time, they had two small children. They had a daughter named Suzanne and a son named Stuart. I mentioned Stuart briefly in part one. Um, if you went back and listened to it, if you're one of those rebels, he has a son named Stuart. <laughs> so um, he was like, I've got to build this business up to a point where it's lucrative, where for at least six months to a year, I can, you know, fund my campaign and, you know, afford like rent, food, stuff for his kids, stuff for his wife, stuff like he that. He really took a gamble on this, didn't he? He really did. It was a shot in the dark because what if he didn't win, you know? Then you're just out, and then you don't have a job to go back yeah, to. Yeah, so that's crazy. Yeah. I can't imagine how Virginia felt. I'd have been freaking oh, out God. if I was. It's her. like you gotta have like trust in your husband mm-hmm. and like really support him. But also, I would be like, oh my god, we're about to be broke as hell, right? And have no money, and now we've sold this business, and I so like they really had to trust. I guess, and that's a good point. They had to trust in each other. Yeah, they not did. only Ray and himself, but Virginia and Ray. So, mm-hmm. oh my god, yeah, wow. that's scary. I don't know if I could have done it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a chicken, and I like money, and I like having money. I'm always so, gonna do the safe choice. Yes, I'm so bad about that. Like, I'll be like, oh yes, I have this money, but it, technically it's in the savings account, so that's supposed to be savings, not spending. You know, that's just how my mind works. But that's what he did. And just think for a second how tough this was for Ray because he had to live in the same town again, the same town where his father had been murdered, the same town where his father has been murdered and nobody did anything about it. Like literally nobody investigated it. Nobody asked questions. It just went unsolved for almost two decades. It's, it, I, I don't know. I don't know if I could go back to that hometown, but he did. Not to mention all the wealthy families in town with power kind of made it where people were afraid to speak out. And there were several families that basically were running the entire city of Crestview at one point in the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, even up into the 70s and 80s. So 
even though he was an adult now and he's back in the same town of Crestview, it's a lot emotionally and physically for one person to experience because he said there would be days where he would be walking downtown and he would walk by those detectives that had came to his house and were saying, you know, you remember when he heard those two detectives say they'll never find who did it? He would be walking downtown and walk by these people. This film's very mafia. Oh my, right? Like, this is legitimately what scandalous. I'm envisioning. Oh, scandalous. And the mafia's all over here. Like, all heavily in Pensacola. But that would be like a story for another day because I would have to talk about that for a couple of hours. But uh, since 1915, a sheriff had been elected that went by the don't ask, don't tell kind of motto. Um, you keep a blind eye to what I'm doing. You let me gamble. You let me do my speakeasies and sell my whiskey and my bourbon and let me throw crafts behind the liquor store or the market. They didn't have liquor stores. I don't know why I said that. It was prohibited. Um, you well, let me do just you, because it was prohibited doesn't mean they didn't. Well, it was technically have it. It was there. We know it was. It was Crestview. It was the most lawless town. But basically. They would elect a sheriff if they would let them do stuff and then keep a blind eye to it. So that's how it happened since 1915. Like, what's the um, point of the sheriff then? Just to be there. Because the governor, remember in part one when I said the governor, like, kept wanting to appoint people and he was he was kind of letting people go and then another sheriff had to be elected? It was because... Oh, yeah, I forgot the about go- that. The governor wanted better for florida but like you gotta think about this and i was like that too i was like oh the governor's just letting all this happen there's one governor for an entire state can you imagine being in, in control of an entire state and there's absolutely this, not and then there's this one town in crestview florida that's acting out like a spoiled little toddler and you have to keep going over there and kind of spanking their butt for a little bit and then absolutely going, not. and then going back down south because that's where our governor is is down south uh, no, I would lose my mind. And that's what kept happening. So he was trying. Wait, wait, wait. What is Florida's capital? Don't put me on the spot like this. Is it I thought it was ta- I thought it was Tallahassee. Yeah, it's Tallahassee. It's Tallahassee. Okay. Yeah, it's Tallahassee. That's but, what I thought. But, but I was like, wait, what? But our governor normally doesn't stay in Tallahassee. I don't know why. Don't ask me that. Normally they stay in Orlando. I don't know. That's weird. I think that's where our current governor is, actually. I don't know. Oh, your horrible governor? Yes, I'm going to Google dude. while you do it. By <laughs> the way, if you live in Florida, go vote. Early voting is open in most of your counties. I already looked it up today. That's yeah, my why. mom's my mom's going. Um, <laughs> she was talking about that today, actually. You can um, go, too. Yeah, it's Tallahassee. I can. Yes, you're right. I was going to say, you can actually vote in your yeah, own state. Anyway, um, I didn't know. I need to um, brush up on my state capitals, apparently. Oh, God. I knew it, but for a second when you asked me, it was like everything left my mind. That's it why is, I asked you because I was like, yeah. Well, because when it, when we talked about it, or when you mentioned it, I was like, what the heck is the state capital then? <laughs> yeah. And that, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why, but most of the time our governors end up living in Orlando it or, like, in that area. Well, see, I don't know it why. felt like Jacksonville should be the state capital. I don't know you why. Know that was what? the first thing that came to mind. I've always thought of that because 
it's a little bit like kind of in the middle of Florida, kind of a little bit almost. And Tallahassee is really not like that's not that far away from us. It's like mm, two and a half hours. I think Port St. Joe is further away than Tallahassee from us. Hmm. I don't know. It never made sense, but yeah, and that's the right. Tallahassee is when the time changes too. Hmm. To anyways, if you didn't know that, there's your. Little I did not. Fact. I did not know that. Yeah. That's where it does it. At. Yeah. When I was a kid, we would watch the clocks because when you hit Tallahassee, it changes, and then when you're leaving Tallahassee, it changes back. Crazy. That's interesting. Fun so, fact. so like, do like half the city live in central, and the other half of the city lives in? Oh, I don't Eastern. know. I don't know. That's a good question. Though. When I tell you that would stress me out, especially oh God, if, yeah. like, if you, you worked work. on one side. Oh, I would no. never know. I would never know. I would <laughs> never know what was happening. I'm already bad with time as it is. Can you imagine? No. Anyways, getting back to it. On May 29th, 1956, the second primary. Um, because, oh, I jumped ahead a little bit. I'm sorry. Um. Ray did run. He's running. He's running for sheriff. He got into it. Uh, it worked out. Um, he did end up having enough money to campaign and support his family. It was wild. And on May 29th, 1956, the second primary, they had the first primary and he did very, very well. He was already ahead on votes in the first primary. Um, and then the second primary was happening and it was looking good for Ray. The citizens of Okaloosa County were absolutely desperate for change. Officially that same day, May 29, 1956, Ray Wilson was elected sheriff for Okaloosa County. He was, in fact, the youngest elected sheriff in Florida history. That's crazy. And I actually think that he still carries that record today. He was 28 years old at the time that he was elected. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm 28 myself. (laughs) I cannot imagine being in charge of an entire county. (laughs) Um, Absolutely not. Um, Yeah, he was the youngest elected sheriff in Florida history, and he was the longest serving sheriff I think still today. He served from 1956 to 1978, I believe. And he still holds both of those records for the state of Florida. I don't know about any other That's state. That's insane. Yes, I just know for the state I can't, of Florida. I just can't imagine being 28 doing all that. Right? He was like, sure. Like, like, what's it to be president? Like, 34? Like, I couldn't imagine being. <laughs> I know. I could run for or president. It, or 35. It's 35. Is, thir- is it 45? 35. 35. It has a five yeah, in it. It has a five yeah, in it. 30, I, I think it's 35. I cannot imagine no. in five years. Oh, my God. Dude, that just got r- anxiety. Running a whole freaking <laughs> No. Mm. Absolutely not. Like, I know mm. technically one day a millennial will be president. Like, that's just how it's naturally going to happen. Yeah. But, like, I, I would die. Like, I, I, I could not be that person. I know. Yeah. When I tell you the anxiety yeah. – would rule me? No, absolutely not. I love the uh, argument when they're like, we could never have a woman president because she'd be too emotional. We'd be having wars. And I'm like, who was president when all of our wars that have already happened, happened? A man. <laughs> so I never, I've ne- 
that's not me trying to be like gender, you know. I just truly don't understand that logic that people throw out there. If that's true, then how come everywhere we've had has been because a man issued it? Because men are more emotional than women. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, men are 100% more emotional than women. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Just say you don't want a woman president. I would feel better. Like, honestly, that would make me feel better if they were just like, I just don't want a woman president. I'd be like, okay. Okay, don't cool. Get, don't give me his. Anyways. Anyways. Crawl back into your whole little insane. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so I don't think I mentioned this in the first part because I was more focused on, I just said focus really weird, focus on the murder itself. Like we were just kind of, you know, that's what we're talking about, the murder of Lester Wilson. But the sheriff during most of this was Isle Enzer. And um, Enzer was actually elected sheriff literally right after Lester was murdered. Um, that's not so. But he has a cool all. name. It does, you know. Um, and you don't know, but the Enzer family um, was very popular in Crestview. They actually made uh, the first hospital here, um, Doctor Enzer, and he ran it. Um, and they just they funded a lot. They they funded a lot here to build up the original Crestview. That gives me um, Twilight Doctor Cullen vibes. Yeah, yeah. And then it, this Isle Enzer. Uh, he was the sheriff. He was sheriff until 1950, so from 1940 to 1950. And then the governor ended up stripping him of the title. Yet again, he had to strip a sheriff in Crestview uh, due to his lack of following the law. He was letting people gamble. He was known, <laughs> yeah, he was known for letting people gamble. And but and, it's gambling. Why I is know, that bad? I know. I. You know, I'm a lawless citizen, I guess. I fit right in with the rest of the people. Yeah, you gambled with that bingo you were playing. <laughs> I didn't win. I didn't tell you. I didn't win a single. I, I won a free ride home uh, oh, in my there car. You go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm a lawless citizen of Crestview because I'm like, is it really that bad? I mean, murder is, y'all. I'm not saying that. You know, I'm not with the murder. But, like, I don't know if the little gambling was that bad. Um, but he allowed it all across, you know, Oakley's County. If you wanted somebody to back you up, it was Sheriff Enzer. Um, the kicker is even though the governor removed him from office in 1950, he was reelected in 1952 as sheriff. What the heck? <laughs> yeah. I told you. I told you. I... I'm nervous <gasps> laughing. I'm trying to be respectful. This really is like a Lifetime movie. Dude was oh, 100% the governor. The governor of Florida himself was like, you are out of office, sir. We can't be doing this. <laughs> and then in 1952, he just runs again. And wins. And wins. <laughs> what? Why was he even allowed to? Why was it even like a qualified candidate? I know. Then Ray Wilson takes the title away from him in 1956. So that's who Ray beat was Isle Enzer. He beat him in 1956. Guy who had been governor, or not governor, chair for yeah. way too long, apparently. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. If it didn't already sound like an intense, drama-filled Lifetime movie, I told you I had this in my notes, it's about to get even more intense. On June 22, 1956, Enzer would pass away from a heart attack. Okay. Okay, so, like, when you're elected, it's just like when you're elected president, you don't, like, right away become the president, and you don't yeah. right away become the sheriff. 
So there was like six months until Ray was going to be like sworn in. But since Enzer passed away from a heart attack, um, he wasn't supposed to take the title of sheriff until January 1957. All the hoodlums of Crespi were panicking. They were like biting their nails. They were like, oh God, we thought we had a few more months until Goody Two Shoe Wilson gets in office. And they were like scheming and plotting. And they're like, oh, we've got to do something. Like we thought we had six months to prepare. And then this happens. Um, and they were so desperate that they were like, we should allow Enzer's wife to finish out his term. Oh, so then they like women. Right? This woman <laughs> don't know any... This woman... I mean, I don't know. I'm sorry for speaking for her. But I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that she knows nothing about being a sheriff. Nothing about law enforcement. Why would this woman take over for... What? That would be like if... Zach was fired, and they're like, okay, Mr. Brooks, we're going to have Mrs. Brooks come in and be the fire chief. Oh, my God. Please, can you do it? No. I please. don't know the first it thing. It would be about- so funny. <laughs> I don't know the first thing about being a fire. The only stuff I know is from Zach t- telling me or yelling at me because I do something wrong. Or he's like, that's not safe. Or, you know, you should do this. That would be comical. All right. That would be a Lifetime movie. All right. I'd pay to see it, though. Oh, my God. So, obviously, that didn't work. Obviously, the governor was like, uh, no, we're not going to allow Mr. Enzer's wife to be the sheriff of Okaloosa County. So, six months early, Ray Wilson was sworn in as the sheriff of Okaloosa County. And then on July 3rd, 1956, Ray Wilson's first official day as sheriff happened. So, that's pretty cool. This is... He had been working for this. I mean, he had left home, gone in the military, come back, made a business, sold it for this day. It was all for this day. So that's that's. I'm just like very impressed by this skill because I feel like he's done more at 28 than I've done in my entire life. Right. I was writing this like, man, what have I done? (laughs) I gotta step it up here. Um, what people didn't know, and he was a very, like, to himself kind of person. I found this out doing research on him. He wasn't a very, like, oh, look at me, look what I'm doing, you know? He just went out and did it. Like, you didn't have to thank him for him doing something good. He just felt good doing it. So, what people didn't know is after he was sworn in, and during his campaign, his major thing for people was, like, I'm gonna go to sheriff school. First off, I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, I didn't know sheriff school was a thing. Obviously, now I sound a little stupid saying that because obviously... I, I didn't know that. But, um, he was like, I'm going to go to sheriff school and I'm going to become the best sheriff possible and we're going to turn this lawless town around. I would have thought someone was lying if they told me that. There's sheriff school? Like- That's like when people started going to, to clown <laughs> college, but apparently clown college is a thing. Or school. I don't know. Anyways. Color me speechless. I don't know. <laughs> like, but he didn't. People didn't know. But after he was sworn as sheriff, he actually started traveling and taking classes and courses and listening to lectures 
given by actual FBI agents. So he was going to the bureau and like taking he classes. was like he was like I want to know like I yeah. want to figure this out. I'm yeah, gonna be the best actually, dang sheriff there is. Oh yeah, like kudos to him. Like he was like not you know when people run for office and they're like I'm gonna do this and then they don't. No, he was like oh no I'm going to learn how to do all this. Um, Ray was. Well, one, he was dedicated to solving his father's murder, but he really did want to transform Okaloosa County into a place where families could, you know, feel safe growing old together, like raising families and, you know, older couples just settling down and, you know, just being their forever home. He really wanted it to be a safe place that he knew it wasn't, you know, free of violence and crime. Another reason I was honored to do this case is it led me to do research about Pensacola, Florida, and I haven't talked about Pensacola that much on the podcast, but my grandparents actually met in Pensacola. Um, my papa's family moved there when he was little from Mississippi, and if you know my papa, and if he's listening to this, and he will, um, he's going to get a crack out of this, he will tell you that if you have to drive through the state of Mississippi, don't. <laughs> he, he hates it. I don't like it. Mississippi either. He hates it. He just, well, where he was from born specifically um Hattiesburg but yeah and um so yeah I got to do some research for Pensacola and recently my family went on a drive and we went and celebrated uh my papa's 76th birthday um and we went and had like this big family reunion in Pensacola and we drove by his old childhood home which isn't there anymore they actually uh bulldozed all that down and put a bypass kind of sad that's um, actually very sad yeah but it's cool we always drive by there like i know it's there but he always likes to drive by and tell us a story and tell us how he used to be a paper boy and all the routes that he used to do and like none of the stuff from when he was a kid in pensacola is there anymore it's like uh, a mall and a bunch of bypasses and the interstate and it is kind of sad now that you say that um but yeah it was like a little walk down memory lane I guess thinking about my grandparents and them being little cutesy high school sweethearts and I guess there's a now I think about it, there's a lot of bypasses in Pensacola now um but Ray asked the help of Walter Steinzik I know I'm saying that wrong and I listen to so many podcasts and documentary about this dude but I'm gonna go with Walter Steinzik an investigator from the Pensacola Police Department Walter was one out of nine, you heard that correctly, one out of nine people that were certified at the time to administer polygraph tests. Jesus. Okay, y'all have to remember, this is 1950s. Polygraph tests. Oh, yeah, this is true. Yeah, polygraph tests, because when I read that too, I was like, what, nine? That's not a lot. Polygraph tests were just becoming a thing, okay? (laughs) And you had to be certified to administer it you could not give a polygraph test back in the 1950s if you were not professionally certified and went to a bunch of classes on it so but he what's was, the rule today now though about polygraph test Bethany, oh they do don't even know use them i know yeah. but if someone tells you would you take a polygraph test what do you say no exactly yeah. never take a polygraph test yeah, they're not accurate you don't i don't think back then you had the choice yeah you probably didn't but um, today you say no but yeah <laughs> They're, and they're not useful anyways. I mean, people have found ways to, like... Oh, it's so easy it to wrong. cheat on. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. Um, so he's one out of one out of nine. 
So Ray was smart about his plan to, to slowly investigate his father's murder. He asked the help of outside police departments. He never wanted anyone to be questioned in Crestview because even though he was the sheriff of Okaloosa County, he resided in Crestview. So his office was based in Crestview. So just to keep it, you know, where people didn't think that he was questioning them himself or he was coercing anybody to doing anything, he asked the help of the surrounding areas. So I thought that was pretty hmm, smart. That's pretty of him. smart. Yeah, that's very smart. But just to kind of like make sure there wasn't any conflict of interest or anything that could be yeah, traced basically, back to him. Basically, and he had asked obviously Pensacola Police Department because he was already working with Walter, who was based out of the Pensacola Police Department. Um, and Pensacola is not that far from Crestview. Oh, yeah. It's like uh, 20, 25 minutes if you drive like me. Um, probably 40 if you don't. But um, nobody knew that Walter and Ray were working. He kept everything hush-hush. And that was smart because everybody knew everybody in Crestview, in Pensacola, in Fort Walton. Like, everybody knew everybody. Especially if you were one of those wealthy families that I just mentioned, like the Enzer family, um, the Steele family, the Adams, the MacArthur. Like, it's just, you didn't talk to those people because they were all dirty. Um Pensacola, Fort Walton, and Panama City Beach because he wanted people that were not only in Okaloosa County. He wanted all the other counties. So Panama City Beach is called Bay County. And he he just, you know, he was like, I'm going to ask everybody. I just want to see who will help me. That's not my own department. And for close to two years, Ray and Walter drove all across the southern states looking for any possible lead they could find without raising suspicion. The same two names, though, kept coming up. The Kaysen brothers. And Ooh. I'm going to wait a second. If you're that listening. feels very ominous. Like I should have like a yeah. dun dun dun. Yeah. I'm going to, we're going to like wait a few seconds. Let's see if anybody will get any points for their Hogwarts house. If you paid close attention to part one, the name Kaysen should be familiar. And if I you feel remember, like I'm failing a test right now. <laughs> if you remember, we discussed one of the Kaysen brothers in part one. We only mentioned one. Doyle Kaysen ran the rival taxi service in town. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when when Ray was just a child. His brother, Jesse, was also mentioned. Jesse was the scary one. Okay, I'm just going to say this, and I know it's really rude, and there are still people in town that know these people that, are, that were friends with them. Doyle was basically the younger brother that was a little uh dopier you know not as smart was very impressionable like you could easily tell him to do something and he would do it and jesse was the smart charismatic older brother that could talk anybody into doing anything basically i'm sorry if that sounded mean but i'm just laying it out as it is he never had an arrest record because he could always talk his brother his brother Doyle, into doing stuff for him. Jesse was the kind of person that wanted to work his way up the social ladder. It was important for him. They came from a poor family in Crestview. They had moved there. Uh, his father had worked on the railroads. That He had helped build the railroads there. 
Um, and you would think that's a lot of work, but they didn't get paid very well. Um, so he wanted power. He wanted popularity. He wanted money. And how to do that is go up the, the social ranks. It was wild doing research for this episode because some of the people he hung out with after he married Connie Enzer, um, I told you the Enzer family is very well known around Crestview. Her father was the one that made the the hospital, Dr. Enzer. Um, So he married Connie Enzer because he was looking for a way to get in. And the Enzer family being wealthy and well known, it just made sense, you know? I'm sorry, Connie, that you had to be a part of his plan um <laughs> poor Connie I know I started hearing names of people that roads and highways are named after here that I had no idea were a part of this story so I was like oh my god I've driven down that road like five million times I have no idea that they were involved in a murder um or well, like like you know, what road the um and there's not one of them but oh. like um PJ Adams that's a road oh. that we have here. Bob Sykes. That's an entire like area by the base. It's an entire road. So can like I have a road named after me that's popular? Like is that like the thing that makes you know like you've made it yeah. when you've had a road named after you? I guess. I don't know. But basically what I'm saying is the the Case and brothers weaseled their way into the social ranks thanks to Jesse because he married Connie and then he started becoming friends with everybody. That was until his divorce in the 1930s. So it didn't last very long. Oh, Connie, God. let's just put it this way. Connie was a free bird, okay? Connie went on to marry three more men after that. Oh, heck yes. Yes, yeah, ma'am. She was a free bird. Um, she liked to live life. She We're liked, here for it. You know? So, you know, Jesse thought he was going to use her, but I guess Connie was like, nah. I like men and life, and I'm living it, so kudos to you, Connie. I like her. Yeah. Shortly after that, though, I know I just laughed and made a joke, so but it's kind of sad. Shortly after that, though, Jesse became an alcoholic, and he became addicted to morphine. Okay, well, that's sad. But Yeah, it takes a real dark turn there, that, you know? That's very sad. Zero to 60. Mm-hmm. And morphine, like, out of oh, all God. the things? Yes. But this was the 1930s. They didn't yeah. have much to work with back that, then. That was pretty much what you got addicted to. Yeah, morphine. Dude, that's dangerous. No. Uh-uh. Finally, after hearing their names mentioned so many times, the Kaysen brothers, now in their 50s, were brought in for Walter to administer a polygraph test. Jesse was actually declining in health um, just from his alcoholism and his morphine addiction. It, it had just kind of like deteriorated his body. He was only in his 50s, but people said that he looked like he was in his late 60s, early 70s. Oh my gosh. That's how bad like the alcohol Jeez. and the morphine just like wreck. Just, you know. Well, it does. It wrecks you. Yeah, it wrecks you. So, so because of that, he declined to take the test because he said his health was so bad and didn't think that uh, he would be able to do the test. I think he just didn't want to do it, but whatever. Doyle took the test, failed immediately, and as well as a third man, um, his man, his name wasn't mentioned yet, but it's about to be mentioned. He also was brought in to take the test and failed it with Doyle, so they both failed it. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah. And on July 12th, 1958, all the local papers were filled with headlines declaring the arrest of three local men for the 1940 murder of Lester Wilson. The third man would be 49-year-old William Doris Brown, 
and he was eventually brought in for questioning, and that's when they did the polygraph test, and he failed it, too. Basically, he was just a guy that was also from Crestview that hung out with the Kaysen brothers and got in trouble with them. So he was just, he, he was just brought in. The part of the group. Yeah, he was brought in because his name was mentioned, and he's mentioned later. But it would take a while for a judge to be selected because many many of them were either related to people that knew the Kaysen brothers or they were friends with the Kaysen brothers. Because this was the lawless town of Crestview. The lawless town of Crestview, and Jesse used to be married to one of the wealthiest people in town. Well, one of the wealthiest people in town's daughter. So, so yeah, of course. He, he knew, knew everybody. He knew everybody. So, it took a couple of months. And on August 9th, 1958, Judge Irwin Fleet, and I will tell you, I did some research on this man. Um, he has since passed away. He was in his 90s. He oh, was, God, I can't even imagine. I know. He was highly talked about, like, even today. He hmm. is said to be one of the best judges in the Okaloosa County. So, that's amazing. That's very heartwarming to read. Because I was expecting to do research in this guy to be corrupt just because doing research for this i read about so many corrupt people in my county in my hometown and all the surrounding cities it was like a breath of fresh air to read about a man that died in his late 90s and was actually a good person you know so judge erwin was selected for the trial he was just 30 years old the very same age as ray wilson because this was three years or two years later so ray's now 30 at the time, he was the youngest judge in history for the Florida Panhandle. There's, like, a lot of firsts in this episode, y'all. Yeah. Ray was, Ray was the youngest sheriff, and he's the youngest judge. So, um, the trial was not held in Crestview. It was not held in Oakland County at, at the under the orders of uh, Ray. It was held in Panama City Beach. Um, he didn't want them questioned or arrested in his, in his county. He just really did not want there to be any type of double jeopardy or, you know, coercion or anything. So, during the trial, the Wilson neighbors would actually testify, um, the Wilson's neighbors. So, like, Bama and Lester's neighbor was questioned and brought up to the stand. And she would testify she had seen Doyle Kaysen on the property right after Lester was shot. He was actually helping clean up. You know, because he was shot through the glass door window or door. He was helping sweep up the glass. And she testified that she had lived next to the Wilsons and she had never seen Doyle at their home before. So she thought it was really weird that he was there. He was either really stupid or he hung around to see if he could, you know, hear anything or like see. I don't know. I think he was just dumb. But I don't I didn't want to say that because... I feel like that's really mean. But, like, I can imagine being involved with a murder and then just hanging around. That's crazy. But, uh, close to the end of the trial, Ray received a threat that shook him to his core. The typical threat, you know, anytime anybody's trying to do something good in the world, you know, you get the typical threat, I'll kill your wife and your children, you know, if a guilty verdict was issued for the for the men. At the time, Ray and his wife, Virginia, had two small children, like I said, a daughter, Susan, and a son, Stuart. I mentioned his son, Stuart, in the first part. Virginia is just like me, and she's 
stubborn and she refused to leave her husband's side, I don't think I would leave Zach if I got a threat like that. I'd be like, mm-mm, no, I'm gonna stay on my ground. I say that now, though. I might be chicken. I don't know. Ask me later. But right now, I want to be brave. But Virginia, <laughs> Virginia's like, you're not sending me away. I'm staying here. They're not gonna threaten me. But when it came to their children, they didn't want to be that risky, and they actually ended up sending their children away, and nobody knew where they went, and knew, nobody knew who they were with, but um, it was actually Ray's older brother. Just nobody knew that. And he That's was pretty like, smart of them, though. Yeah, he was like, take them away. I think they went down south to Orlando or Tampa or something. He's like, just take them down there. Um, I'll give you money. Um, don't come back until after the trial's over. And then they had no other contact because he didn't want, you know, them to know where the kids were. So, for fun fact, I tried to throw a couple in here because I know you guys- I feel like every paragraph we get a fun fact. I know, I tried. I kept trying to add them in because I know people are like, it's becoming our thing now and people are liking it. Um, one woman, and it took a long time for them to find a a jury, just like a judge, because a lot of people in- Panama City still knew them because it's not that far away. So one woman was chosen out of the 12 jurors. So it was 11 men, one woman. She was the first woman in Okaloosa, or not just Okaloosa, out of the panhandle to sit in a jury for a murder trial. My gosh, everybody was the first in this I know. That's why I had to include it as a fun fact. Like, what? Like, that's crazy. Like, That was probably, like, exciting for her, you know, maybe. I don't know, to be the first woman of something. I know it would be for me. And I'm over here. I've never been called for jury duty. And I've wanted to so bad. Me too. So bad. I think me and you are the only people in the history ever that want to be. But, like, sign me up. Right? You know how many people I know that are like, man, this is, like, the fourth time I've got called for jury duty. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, you've been called four times and I haven't been once. Once. Even though I do know once they find out I have a like a true crown podcast they're, they're gonna, gonna be, be like and eh, no, you know eh, what they no. probably did look that up for us and they're like oh they run because i'd be like oh jury duty i'll be there I'll, two hours early <laughs> exactly i will sit there i'll have a notebook yeah. i can i can do this i can solve the whole case all right let's let's settle this out who did what let me know yeah. Give me some back yeah they don't want us to because they know we'd be too good but I did find this interesting during the trial obviously bama was called to the stand she's lester's wife um, basically just giving basic information everyone already knew. She had to go through, you know, what what they were doing the time, what happened after, you know, the basics. But one thing stuck out to me. She said since her husband's murder in 1940, police never contacted her. Once. See, that's insane. Not once. She called them. But they, not once, came back to her house, asked her any questions, and she was in the room. She was in the same room. They were in the living room together when well, he got shot. Well, you would think they would have, like, even, like, asked her questions and no. just said, hey, can you tell us what happened? Nope. Like, give us a timeline of events, something. Nope. From 1940 to 1956, the trial was the first time that she was contacted by police. And that was just for, for her to come to the trial. And that was because her son did, set all this up. That's Not crazy. Once, right? This is where the trial took a major turn. Can you imagine how proud she must feel, too, as a mom? Oh, yeah. Oh, it took my son becoming sheriff for y'all to, yeah, right? Oh, heck yeah. 
oh yeah, my mom proudness would be like on a whole new level. But this is where the trial took a major turn. A key witness was introduced, a witness that had been living a secret life since 1940. Like, literally. What? Like, literally, she put herself in the witness protection program. That's dramatic. She, wasn't, she wasn't in the witness protection program, but she she could have been. Um, out of pure fear. Fear that she would be the next murdered. Um, she had gone so far as completely changing her appearance. So, she had prominent, bright red hair. And from 1940 until the time that they found her, and I don't know, I tried to find out how, but somehow Ray and Walter found her. What? I don't know how. They found her in St. Louis. I don't know how. She had moved several places. She had been married a couple times and changed her name, but they somehow found her. But she had natural red hair, like bright red hair. Um... And she died at blonde. From 1940 until the time they found her in 1956, she died at blonde. And she had to go spend a lot of money to have a lot of dental work. Because they said she had, like, prominent... Uh, this is, once again, I feel mean. Um, but this is how they described it. They said she had really bad buck teeth that stuck out very far. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, even if she closed her mouth, you know, you'd still see her teeth so if you saw her in a yeah i know that's really i feel bad for her but so if you saw her in a crowd even if she dyed her hair they'd be like oh that's her you know maybe not but she was terrified so she went and got like all new teeth oh my gosh um so yeah like she drastically she was desperate to not be found that just proves how scared she was like she really like and she like had like four or five names that she went by and she was like getting married not because she loved these people, I don't think, but, like, so, like, she had a new identity, like, each time and could move. That's probably dramatic, but that's the vibe I got. But her name was Maddie Lee. Um, she had only lived in Crestview roughly three months when the murder occurred. So, a little backstory. She's actually from Alabama originally, but her husband passed away. I couldn't find out how, whether it was, like, I don't I don't know, but she lived in Alabama. Her husband passed away, so she was a young widow. I think she was, like, 27 at the time. To me, that's a really young widow. Um, And a friend of hers lived in Crestview, and she was like, well, you know, come live with me so you're not alone, you know? So she moved from uh, Alabama to Crestview, which isn't really that far apart, and she'd only lived there three months. And she lived in a duplex next to the Sunray Cafe, Another points to your Hogwarts half, if you remember this, because I mentioned it a couple times in part one. Uh, um, if you remember, it's the little cafe that they run. They ran their taxi business out of. So I remember I said that the, if you wanted a cab to pick you up, you would call the cafe and they'd be like, oh, yeah, Woodrow, Woodrow Lester, you have a customer. And then they would go to wherever the address was. So it saved them money. That way they didn't have to buy their own space. They just had like a little booth inside the cafe. So she lived right next to the cafe in like a little, a little condo, like a duplex, you know, this type of houses that are like two like attached to each other. Yeah, um, like yeah, a little townhouse lived, almost. Yeah, she lived right there next to the cafe. And remember when I said Doyle owned a rival company? I actually had it wrong, um, so I'm correcting myself. I did, did more research on it. Jesse owned the, the taxi company, and mm-hmm. Doyle ran it. 
So Jesse owned it, but Doyle did all the driving for it. Okay, I get it. Yeah, so it was in the same cafe. So both of the taxi companies ran out of the Sunray, or the, yeah, Sunray Cafe, um, but just the Wilsons was more popular because the Kaysen brothers just were known for not being the best in town. Um, but Maddie, like I said, was a widow, and immediately the Kaysen brothers took a liking with her. She actually courted both Jesse and Doyle. She had a little uh, fling with them, if you will, with both of them. Um, the night of March 15th, 1940, which is the night of Lester's murder, Maddie recalls being at the Sunray Cafe with the Kaysen brothers and Brown drinking beer. They were discussing doing the job and i'm air quoting here y'all can't see me and that's such a early 1900s thing to say um, doing the job yeah originally they planned on asking for a ride in his taxi and they were gonna like kill him in the taxi but remember well, that's I, not terrifying i know but remember that night i said that woodrow dropped lester off because he was tired yeah and woodrow was gonna drive that night so they found out Woodrow was driving, and they don't want to kill the son. They want to kill Lester, so they can't obviously do that. So Lester had already got home, so the plans changed. They would just load up in Brown's 1937 Ford. And remember I said that there was a 1937 Ford scene mm-hmm. driving down Laurel Hill Road, which is also Highway 85 today. Um, I'm literally right here by Highway say, 85. Which is like... Right by your house? Yeah, five minutes. Yeah, up the road. Um, They forced Maddie to go with them at first. They threw her in the truck because obviously she had been hearing them talk about it. Um, She recalls seeing two shotguns. One on the floorboard. She actually said she stepped on one. And there was one in the back on a gun rack. Um, But at the last second, she was panicking. And she was like, hey, hey, can I just stay here? I'll be kind of like a lookout. I'll just wait here at the cafe. um, And I'll let you know if anybody's suspicious. And they agreed. And they kind of pushed her out because they saw Woodrow uh, leaving to take Lester home. So they kind of pushed her out. And were like, yeah, go ahead. We got to follow him. Mm -hmm. And Brown drove back into town after the job was done, I'm air quitting again, and forced Maddie to get in his truck. He drove her all the way to Niceville, which Niceville isn't that far away either. It's like maybe 30 minutes um, the other way, out into the middle of nowhere. She said it was just like a dead-end road that was really the woods. Um, trigger warning here, I'm going to mention some stuff, so if you want to stop now and go ahead like two or three minutes, now is your warning. He pulled over um, on the side of this not really a road and uh, raped Maddie. Oh, so, that's horrible. I know. And Brown told her to never say anything about what had happened to her. He's meaning the rape. Mm-hmm. It, or what she had heard that night at the Sunray Cafe about them discussing killing Lester. Oh, that's horrible. Then later that night, Doyle beat her so bad with like this long object with what she described as like kind of like barbed wire attached to it. Oh, God. He, he beat her so bad with it that it left scars. And while she was on the witness stand, she offered to show people, but the judge said that would be too extreme for the jury. So it left permanent scars because this was like almost 20 years later and she still had the scars. No wonder Um, she did all this stuff to hide. I know, yeah. 
Um, the nail in the coffin was Marjorie King, another uh, witness. She was actually the last witness, and they saved her for lives. A neighbor of the Kaysen brothers' parents, so Jesse and Doyle's parents. She was a neighbor of theirs. Their mother had asked her to come over one night due to the fact that she was studying to become a nurse. Marjorie was studying to become a nurse. Um, and this was when Jesse was dealing with his morphine addiction. And one, one night when she was treating Jesse, she had kind of gone to another room to fold laundry, some clean sheets. Because when you're withdrawing from morphine or anything, your body sweats so bad because it's it's uh, detoxing. It's trying to, you know, get all those toxins and everything out of your body. And what's our biggest gland in our body? Our sweat glands. There's a little. Oh, I thought it was like a trick question. I was like, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. There's a little science moment. Y'all know I don't like science, but I know that. Yeah, your your sweat glands are the biggest. Your body just tries to sweat everything out. That's why when you're sick and you get fevers, that's what your body's doing. Just trying to get all that yuckiness out of you. So he would sweat so much that he would go through like three or four things of sheets a night. So she was washing and drying the sheets in another room and kind of watching out for him. And she remembers hearing three men come in the house. And they said that they had to take Jesse to a facility in Chattahoochee. There's a word for you guys. That's a real place. That is a real place. Way down there in Chattahoochee. Yep. That is Chattahoochee. Um... We also have Choctahatchee. Wait, it's way down yonder in the Chattahoochee, Chattahoochee, right? Okay. Then it gets hotter than the Hoochie Coochie, yes. Yep, that's what I thought. There you go. I had to sure finish I knew it. it. I'm sorry. I was Anyways. trying not to say Hoochie Coochie. I'm sorry, I had it's, to. It's like a word for me. Yeah, I know. So. Me too. That's me with see you next Tuesday. I hate that word. Oh, I love that real word. No, the word that's like to like for real. I love that. Oh word. no, I can't. I don't know. It gives me yuck, like moist. Oh, oh god, that was absolutely horrible. Anyways, they came and they're like, "You have to go to a facility to, to a rehab in Chattahoochee. We have to take you because he was getting high and drunk and running around town and crying and saying, "I murdered Lester Wilson." Oh dear God! Yeah, right. <laughs> Like, they're like, no, you have to go. You have to go and get clean, and you have to stop doing this. You can't keep doing this. Um, Here's the kicker. The three men that came into the house were Sheriff Enzer, um, former Sheriff Steele, and Joe Adams. Crystal Who would have ever, ever guessed? guessed. Yeah. <gasps> Color me shocked. Yeah. Um. You don't know Joe Adams, but I have no idea who Joe Adams is. The Adams family here is very popular. We have a PJ Adams road. You 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 can't just say the Adams family, not snap. Oh, yeah. No. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. We have a PJ Adams road. I think there's a school here called PJ Adams Elementary or something like that. Um, Just know it's a very well, all of these people were very well known, powerful people in Crestview, and they're here. At this house, and Marjorie's in the next room, terrified that they're gonna see her. And she's like, Holy crap, the sheriff, the previous sheriff, and a wealthy man of Crestview knows that he kills Lester Wilson, and they're trying to send him to rehab to shut up. So, needless to say, she was terrified and waited all this time until the trial when she felt so safe to let people know, which is That's really sad. awesome that she finally got to like 
say yeah. what she needs to say. Yeah, but I I can't fault her because I who would she even tell at the time? I mean, the sheriff oh, and the previous yeah. sheriff is there. They knew. Go, yeah, as long as she can go to the police and be like, hey. Uh, I By the way. Your, I just saw your boss. Um, I need to make a report. Like, well, what? Yeah, what's, uh, yeah. what's that going to do? I do Anyways. have a question, though. Yes. How long did it take you to write Chattahoochee in your notes and spell it right? Did you get it on the first try? The first try. Just because I went to Choctahatchee High School. Oh, well, that's cheating. Having to write Choctahatchee and a bunch of other weird. I shouldn't say that's very disrespectful. It's named after Native American tribes here. That was a nervous laugh. It's named. All of these are Native American tribes here in Florida. I know, but it's Chattahoochee. Chattahoochee. Like, I, I just went, never spelt that on the first try. I just well, went I'm the worst on Worst time. In Hoochie. <laughs> <laughs> I still would have butchered it. I still would have butchered it. I don't know. I don't know. Call it my weird Florida talent. Okay, go for it. Anyways, we also have Kissimmee. Well, that one's easy. It's Disney. I connect that with Disney. Yeah. Um. But um, on November 23rd, 1958, the juror for William... Doris Brown, which is the friend that hung out with the Casins, he was found not guilty. I don't know how. That's weird. What Maddie got up there and said, like he at least should have been charged for something for Maddie. But I guess since it was so long, I don't know. He had involvement, but he was found not guilty. I don't know how. But Jesse and Doyle Kaysen were found guilty of first degree murder. And they were supposed to pick up on that keyword. They were supposed to spend life in prison without the possibility of parole. The jury said the death penalty was too extreme, so they weren't given that. They um, killed a former sheriff. What? Yeah, I don't. And got away with it. Whatever. What? Say lobby. You know, some jurors juror and some don't. Um. However, they ended up weaseling. And when I say weaseling, they made an appeal every six months. They aggravated everybody <laughs> until basically they were allowed to be released. Basically, they were like, if you stop submitting appeals, we'll let you guys out on good behavior because they were basically dying anyways. But that's not good behavior. If I know. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know. This is 1960s in the most lawless town. So, like, you got to. You get what you get, I guess. I was don't know. Azteca around in the sixties? Like no. could that have like changed no. anything? No, Azteca has only been here since like think the nineties. <laughs> so not since even that. So since the okay, so since the two thousands, they have not been the lawless town of Crestview. Did Azteca come in and like I don't know. Can you imagine put some laws Azteca. into the town? Boom. We're gonna follow the laws because we have Mexican videos. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. I had it the other day, actually. <laughs> um, but Jesse was released on April 9th, 1966, and Doyle was released September 21st, 1966. They both ended up serving only a total of seven years. For the Whoa, that's such, like, justice. Yeah, but basically they were released because they were dying anyways. <laughs> like, they were dying. Um just because of the heavy alcohol abuse and the drug abuse they had done their entire life. They both looked like they were, like, in their 90s and they were in their 60s. 
That is terrifying. Yeah. I never want to be like that. I know. And Doyle actually passed away on August 9th, 1968. So, like, less than two years later. And Jesse died almost exactly a year after Doyle on July 27th, 1969. Giggity. There you go. Oh, gosh. Um, I love it. <laughs> Um, and I will just say before I, because fi- I, I have this little paragraph that I want to end on because it's really cutesy. Um, to this day, October 28th, that's when we're recording this, um, 2022, there are still descendants of these crooked, corrupt people that think that the Kaysen brothers were innocent. Even with all those eyewitnesses, no, all that evidence, there are people, um, and it's never came out. And um, I'm just gonna say it because Yolo, what are they gonna do to me? Um, remember the previous sheriff I said Steele, he had a lawyer, yeah, and that lawyer came forward after the trial, and he said he couldn't tell Ray. Because it would be, what do you call it, uh, when a client has with his lawyer, uh, like, they can't like, pa- say. like not the patient con- confidentiality, is that but what like it the, is? it's like, but a like, client, uh, yeah, client, client confidentiality something? or whatever. Yeah, yeah, where if they tell you you can't say it or you'll be like, uh, what do you call it for, uh, disbarred? Is that what it's called? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, right. I'm pretending like I know stuff. Anyways. He, in so many words, said that previous Sheriff Steele ordered the Kaysen brothers to kill Lester, but he couldn't come out and say it because if he did, it would be unethical and he would be disbarred. And he said that he would only feel comfortable talking about it after Sheriff Steele passed away. Well, Sheriff Steele passed away in the 70s from a heart attack. I don't know why all these men died from heart attacks. I guess guilt or stress. And let me guess, he never said anything. He still didn't say anything because he was still terrified. Still terrified. That man went to his deathbed. Still being terrified of the sheriff that died in the 70s. So, who knows? There's no evidence to back that up. But, I mean... I wouldn't be surprised if these two dudes were just the the scapegoat for these big wealthy people in Crestview because the Wilson family wanted to make changes. So, I don't know. I wouldn't put it past them if the sheriff and the other sheriffs got together and they're like, hey, we'll slip you some money if you go kill Mr. Wilson. And they did it. And then they were alcoholics and druggies and That's got so high. gross, though. Yeah. Like- they both of them, Doyle would also get high and cry and say that he felt sorry for Bama, you know, because it did come down to it that Jesse was the one that shot Lester. He actually shot him. Doyle was just there to uh, make sure nothing happened and they all drove away. Well, I think that all of these crooked people's family members are never allowed to eat Azteca or Pounders <laughs> ever again. <laughs> I'm having Pounders Sunday. And I hate you for it. I'm very happy about it. I very much hate you. Like, I'm I'm just going to let you know. I already told Tyler. I was like, um, so I hope you know that when Bethany moves, um, like, I'm going to give her, like, 
a month or two to settle <laughs> in, and then I'm probably just going to like spend two weeks there. And yeah, I was like, come on, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I just let you know I'm going to be flying or driving a lot because, um, yeah, it's just yeah. going to happen. Come on down. Anyways, yeah, so, you know, that's what happened. There were still corrupt and it's a lot better today and ray wilson during his like almost 30 years of being sheriff did a lot for crestview he did run into some problems there were some people that thought he was a little too conservative a little too much of a uh christian if you will which i can't fault people you know you live your way i'll live mine but um I want to end on cutesy. It's not as cutesy because it's a little sad. Um, But I know I briefly mentioned in part one, but Ray Wilson peacefully died at home here in Crestview on February 10th, 2014 in the arms of his wife, Virginia. She saw him through the very end. It reminds me of my grandparents. Um... He had suffered from Alzheimer's for several years, um, from about 2010 until 2014. He suffered from it. Um, But, yeah, that was the story of Lester Wilson and his son, Ray Wilson. And I briefly discussed um, his grandson, Stuart Wilson. And it's just amazing everything that that man did and... It's still just an absolutely crazy, crazy roller coaster. It's a roller coaster of a story that I promise you it's not a movie plot. I promise you this stuff happened. I promise you if I were to get into my car right now, I could drive down to PJ Adams. I could drive down to Bob Sykes. Um, it's not the same hospital, but I was born here in Crestview Hospital um, where the Enzers started the original one. It's crazy. Like, these people were real, y'all. Like, I'm in the town where all this... It could be Lifetime. Should I call Lifetime? I think you should. I think Lifetime (laughs) owns the rights to this. Um, But, like, yeah. It might be a slightly cheesy movie, but... Yeah. It still needs to be made. It just really shows that... There's corruption and just bad people everywhere, and you cannot trust everybody. I live by that motto. I don't – I trust very few people. Um, But good stuff can still come out of it in the end, and I'm really glad that this was an episode that I could give you all that we actually have an ending. Even though they didn't serve their life in prison, I mean, they did – I shouldn't say that. That's not very good. Um, (laughs) They served some time, and then they passed away. Um, and the other bad people passed away, and not all those people are still here. There's new people here in town. There's better people. There's better stuff happening. Um, and it's not the most lawless city in Florida anymore. Woo-woo. It's just, that's crazy that that yeah, was. it has title. an Iteca. I mean... Azteca. We got Azteca and the Pounders and we got Hideaway Pizza. That's where yeah. I went. That's where I went for dinner. And you have tonight. Co- what's the what's the coffee shop? Cabasa? Casba. Casba. Um, there you go. Sorry. Zach calls it the cash bar. Okay, um, I like that too. Uh, yeah, that's because that's what Papa calls it. So he calls it cash bar too. 
But yeah, I don't know. Little Crispy's building up. We're getting more stuff. We're getting a Five Below. We're getting a TJ Maxx. We're getting yeah. a Pounders uh, is getting a whole restaurant. They're getting a <laughs> restaurant. If you're local here and you don't know that where Pounders is, I'm sure you've seen it. If you're local, because they've I'm not. Got, I'm not even local, and I'm excited about the Pounders restaurant. And I live it's gonna like a be thousand miles away. I know it's gonna be right across the street. They've already got the foundation for it and everything, and it's coming along. It's gonna wait. Be what's awesome. across the street? The pub Publix? No, no, no. Like, you know where Pounders is? And oh, I know where Pounders that is. That little side, side road. Not uh, across the street. Next to it. Oh. Okay, I know. Sure in that then. where yeah, there was like yeah. a bunch of trees. Well, they yeah. knocked all those trees down and that's where Pounders is going to be. And I've seen it. It's pretty big. It's going to be pretty big. I'm excited. Let so. me know when opening day is and I'll make sure I arrange to be there on opening day. Maybe me and Zach can like win something. Like, you know, Zach always wins Ooh. these like Free, free, free pounders for a year. For a year. I would, yeah. oh, I would my die. God, I would literally die. Can I would fly in every imagine? week. I know. God. Okay. Well, this is already long. That is all that I have for you guys tonight. Um. Thank you guys. There was it was so cool that me and Crystal had people excited for part two on a case that's just from my little, little hoodlum hood rat town of a place. That I got to give y'all. So well, I'm, I'm just happy. glad that we got to hear this whole thing because I've been very excited about it. So I know. And my, my cute little grandparents, they're when they make their little Costco trip or they make these little trips to Alabama, they're gonna listen to this. And I I love them. And this was very cute. Um and i he was like, I'll listen to your episode. And I was like, oh, Lord, did you? And I was like, I talk about you a lot, Papa. And he was like, I know. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, okay. That's all for you guys tonight on today's episode. I hope you guys have a great week. Whenever you listen to this, we'll do our usual. Take care of yourself. Brush your hair. Drink your water. I got me a body armor right now. I got the peach mango. It's my favorite. I have favorite. a sweet tea, so. Oh, oh sweet tea it, sounds so it's good. It's still water, right? Mm, yeah. Uh, take your meds. Eat something. I had a way too much pizza for dinner, but it was delicious. It was an all the way. It had the works. It had. And sausage. then she got in trouble for not putting the meat up. I did. Because we went out to dinner because Papa wanted to go because my Gigi uh, went out to do something tonight. And when Gigi's out, he feels like he can just be a kid again because <laughs> um, they were supposed to have chicken and rice for dinner. But she had to go some. He's like, you want to go get pizza? And I was like, when am I going to say no? Yes, let's go get pizza. Let's go to Hideaway. So we had Hideaway and we had the works. We had like everything that you can put on a pizza. Minus mushrooms. No we don't mushrooms. eat mushrooms because frogs pee on them. So, <laughs> and you can ask my papa. That's what he says too. We do not eat those things. They are nasty. They are gross. I don't care I how many it. times you clean them. But anyways, you guys have a great week, and we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.